The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's cloud strategy and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 and if you want to run with the Game Changers, I promise you are in the right place. Today's buzz, find your power. Oh, it sounds like an empowerment show. Not exactly. Stick around. I'll get started now. With a projected world population of 10 billion by 2050, let's see, it's all, it's 2015, so that's not that far away, the demand for electricity Natural gas and water will double or even triple. Just think about it. You know how much we're using now? Think about that doubling or tripling. Energy and water consumption will soar as vehicles and mass transit go electric. You knew I was going to say that. We're looking at an emerging digital energy network. That's a new term to me. We know about the digital economy. We know about digital networking. Put it together, you get a digital energy network. And guess what? It needs clean, dependable, affordable power. All very important. But we've got some disruptors working behind the scenes or even in front of the scenes. Decarbonization, deregulation, decentralization. And guess what? Utilities, they are a century-old hierarchy. We depend on them, but everything is being shaken up. So we have a lot of questions on the table today. Will the proven business models for the utilities industry, which are based on an investment of trillions and trillions of dollars worth of plants and grids, will they collapse or will they be able to survive what's going on with all of the disruptions I mentioned? And not only that, we have new market players who are disrupting the value chain. Think about it. Google, Tesla, what the heck are they doing in these businesses? We have rapid technological and social innovation that's putting capital investments at risk. And the bottom line, how can utilities survive? Well, maybe, just maybe, if they embrace customer service innovations that could really save the day. Important question, big topic. We have a great panel of experts who are going to help us figure this out. So let's get started. First up, excuse me, I'm very pleased to welcome Michael Shanko. If you want to look him up, it's S-H-A-N-K-O. He's the Executive Director of Technology Strategy and Management for Consumers Energy. That's CMS. And Michael has sent me a quote we love from Grace Hopper, who was the pioneering computer scientist central to the development of COBOL, my favorite language, because I programmed it for years and years, years and years ago. Here's the quote. The most dangerous phrase in the language is... We've always done it this way. Michael Shanko, welcome. How are you today, Michael? I'm doing great, Bonnie. Thank you for having me. We're delighted. Talk to me. Utilities, big topic, disruption, and we've got the question, can they survive? And you're bringing us a quote from Grace Hopper. What does this have to do with our topic, Michael? 
Yes, we can and we will survive. There's always Good. opportunities to improve. Remaining stagnant is not an option. It always can create unnecessary swirl and evolve into a death spiral if not addressed and the company lets it be that way. At the pace of technology and innovation is changing and introducing new capabilities, the expectations on how we work every day and how we live every day are rapidly changing. The speed at which innovation is occurring will never be this slow again. To survive, companies and individuals must be flexible and have the ability to adapt and evolve in a parallel with these expectations. Okay, so what would Grace Hopper say if she were here right now? What would she say about these new players? What would she say? What would she say to Google and Tesla? Hey, get out of here. This isn't your space. We've always done it a different way. Would she, would she embrace them like she did with uh, developing the new language, or what would she say? I think we would absolutely have an embrace of, of the technologies and these providers. We can leverage these technologies. We can leverage these companies to help us find solutions. What we cannot let it do is find those technologies for us and implement the technologies in advance of us. Um, otherwise, it's going to pass us by. We need to be able to take advantage of them, work with these uh, disruptors, potential disruptors, embrace them, and figure out how we can continue to play a role in the future of utility. Michael, one question before I introduce our second panelist. Are utilities in trouble as an industry, as something we can depend on? Are they having a really difficult time right now, or is it at a, at a, a tipping point where it could go either way? What's your assessment? I believe that we are in the best place as a utility to be able to help drive and influence this type of change. We are positioned extremely well, a very exciting time to be as a part of utility. If we can truly embrace the technologies, the capabilities, and the data that is available to us, that we can provide a tremendous value to, the, to our customers, um, to the United States, and to the globe. Wonderful. I like that. There's some global moments in there. Thank you so much, Michael. Nice to meet you. Let's bring on our second panelist. She is Jill Feblowitz. I'll spell that if you want to look her up. By the way, she's the vice president for IDC Energy Insights. We're always happy to have IDC on board on Game Changers Radio. And her last name is F-E-B-L-O-W-I-T-Z. And Jill has sent me a quote from the recently departed and very beloved, obviously, Yogi Berra. I don't know if anybody knows, but his real name was Lawrence Peter Yogi Berra, and I'll let you all look it up. And he passed away on September 22nd. And here's the quote. This is a eight-word quote. It's a goodie. The future ain't what it used to be. I'll say amen and R.I.P. Yogi. Welcome. Talk to me. Tell me about your quote. Um, so the, the quote is really um, about the future, and I've been in the utility business since the 90s, and the future then, back then, our vision of the future is much different than the vision today. You've already mentioned a lot of the disruptors that are out there. Mm-hmm. I might mention a couple of others besides the fact that consumers are powering their own. Um, utilities are kind of in a bat- battle for talent with other mm-hmm. companies to get the best talent to, to run the utility business and all in, in many different ways. Um, the consumers of today, and you alluded to this a bit, said that, um, you know, they're, they're different than the consumers 10, 20, even five years ago. They expect to shop, drive, and network anytime and anywhere. So 20 years ago, utilities didn't really face a lot of competition, um, and now competition doesn't only, as you pointed out, come from the unbundling or the markets from retail mm-hmm. energy providers, uh, like companies like uh, 
direct energy constellation energy it comes from others as well so from my perspective this means that utilities really need to re-envision that what the future looks like they need to rethink their business models and start to get more innovative and undergo what we refer to a lot as a digital transformation um, that's the kind of transformation that other companies are are going after today so that they can offer new products and services to the consumer and and also to the energy markets. Thank you, Jill. Very interesting. I'm going to ask you the same question I posed to Michael Shanko a minute ago at CMS. Are the utilities in trouble? Are they at the tipping point? Are they going to be able to save this and enter this new digital energy network? How close are they to the precipice of OMG versus, yeah, we can do this? What do you see? (laughs) Well, on the one hand, I think that they that they are in trouble. Uh, you know, merchant generators are definitely in trouble from the competition from from distributed energy resources. Um, a lot of the utilities' revenue is eroding, yet they are going to have to spend more on uh, shoring up the infrastructure um, to accommodate the solar and other distributed energy resources. Um, so I think that they are in trouble, and I think it's more imminent that, than they think. Um, mm. That said, what I would say is a, another quote uh, that Yogi Berra has attributed to, to him, which is, um, nobody comes here anymore, it's too crowded. <laughs> and by that I mean the utilities have the advantage in that most of the consumers still are consumers that uh, signed up with their utilities, a major- vast majority. So they have the advantage of still having the, the ca- customers captive, and they can do a lot with that. I was going to ask you about that. One more question, Jill, before we introduce our third panelist. question is, does the leadership, whoever they are, and I think we'll talk about this during the show, the leaders of the utilities, do they know this? If they tuned in right now and heard you and Michael Shanko and our next guest is James McClellan at SAP Utilities and Energy Industry Marketing, would they say, wow, I didn't know that. I didn't know my industry is in trouble. Or would they say, yeah, better go back to my desk and do my homework and move this along to the future. What would they say, Jill? Well, I'm pretty sure that they would say that they're well aware of it, especially since Edison Electric Institute came out with a, um, a really prediction a couple of years ago now that there was a death spiral going on. So I know they're aware, and there's um, forward-looking utilities like uh, Duke Energy that's getting into the solar business, like mm-hmm. uh, SDG&E in California and PG&E in California that experimenting more with EV charging. So there's a lot of, um, well, I wouldn't say a lot. I wouldn't say the majority. I would say maybe um, 10% of the the utilities these days are really not only recognizing that there needs to be something done, but are doing something about it. That's good And and here in the U.S., it's a lot lower than in in Europe, where this is really the top topic on everybody's lips. Interesting. And I got an ad, uh, some website I landed on the other day, Jill, I got an ad that said to me, oh, no, it was an email. It was an email directly to me, one of my 10 email addresses. It came in and it said, uh, 
you can get solar energy in your house. Of course, they don't know that I live in an apartment building, but they said <laughs> you can get solar energy in your house by not installing a solar panel, but we'll find one in your neighborhood and we'll connect, create some kind of an app that we will give you. And for $65 a month, something like that, you can get solar power from somebody else's panels in your house. I was flabbergasted. I almost wished I had a private house so I could take advantage of this, but who would have ever thought you could do something like that? So that's some of the new technology coming down the pike. We'll talk more. Jill, thank you so much for your insights. And as I mentioned a moment ago, we are welcoming, actually welcoming back James McClellan, Senior Global Director of SAP Utilities and Energy Industry Marketing. And I have a quote that is a combo here. It's a hybrid. It's a McClellan slash Steve Lucas-ism. Does such a thing exist? Here it goes. Digital transformation requires a healthy dose of paranoia. James McClellan, it's been years since you've been on Game Changers. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks very much for having me back, Bonnie. We're delighted. So talk to me. Words of wisdom from the mountain, digital transformation and paranoia. Do they go hand in hand? Are they a requirement together? Well, back to your point in question that uh, you've already asked Michael and Jill, that are the utilities in trouble? Uh, we take a look at digital transformation, uh, that it is a, a, a necessary evil. It's a definite thing that uh, utilities need to make a move towards. And unfortunately, this industry, and I've worked in the industry for a number of years, that we usually may change at a slot's pace. And that's, not gonna, that's just not going to cut it. And then we take a look at others that are cheetahs, and they're running ahead and just charging ahead with whatever it is that they're chasing for digital transformation. And our comment is that they should actually be uh, lemurs, you know, the big bug-eyed mm-hmm. animals that are always paranoid, looking over their shoulder, taking a look, where's the next competition, who's coming to eat my lunch? So we're suggesting, and i got to give credit to Steve Lucas on this, he gave a wonderful presentation at our recent SAP for Utilities event uh, mm-hmm. last month. But utilities need to be paranoid, and they need to make a move uh, towards digital transformation. And they have to be looking over their shoulders because competition is coming from, as you've already stated with Michael, the Teslas, the Googles. What yeah. are they doing in our energy business? So competition is around the corner, and it doesn't look like who it used to be. Uh, so digital transformation necessary evil we have to adopt to it it's going to benefit the industry uh but if you don't make the move you're going to be in a lot of trouble interesting uh james i want to ask you a question something i i talked to jill about but i didn't ask her for specifics who are the leaders of utilities today are are they people who've been in the top of their business for two years 10 years 20 years are they veterans of the industry who rose through the ranks are they coming from other industries perhaps bringing their so-called talents their enterprise leadership talents into utilities are they being recruited from outside to come in and save utilities what do you observe any any clues you can give us here well, it's a bit of a mix and match. Uh, we are seeing mm-hmm. leaders in the utilities industry that are adapting to this. They get it. Uh, when I'm speaking to many of the C-level uh, discussion tables, uh, digital transformation is on every one of their tables, every one of the board tables. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are looking outside of the industry and bringing in uh, analysts or people to, uh, uh, to be able to give them new and bright ideas, how to adopt change, how to take a look at best practices from other industries. We are seeing a blurring of the lines. It's no longer just traditional 
utilities uh, providing electricity, gas, or water. Uh, we're seeing whole new business models, whole new business processes, uh, whole new ways of, of being able to do their work uh, as a whole. Uh, but uh, you know, you're really seeing quite a mix and match, and, uh, and it's going to be a very interesting uh, next decade, I believe. I think it will. It'll be interesting to see who emerges, who emerge, I'll make that plural, as the leaders of the new digital energy network era. That that should be interesting. Thank you, James. Okay, we have a little bit of housekeeping to do here, literally and figuratively. Michael Shanko, I'm going to circle back to you, and you know this show is part of our flagship program, Coffee Break with Game Changers. So, as they used to say when I was younger, youth wants to know. <laughs> I'll just use that. I'm going to get away with it. Uh, Michael, what are you drinking right now? Just a little story about you, or what do you plan to drink after the show today? Well, I think it depends on how good the show goes. I may have a, an adult flavor of root beer, or I might have a glass of water or a cup of coffee. Uh, my, my normal drinks are, uh, I'll have a smoothie in the morning, chocolate, peanut butter, banana, always my favorite, and uh, make it in the Vitamix mixer, which works fantastic. If you don't have one, you need to go get one. Um, outside of that, uh, cider beers and root beers are, are my thing. It's nice to kick back, relax, and have one of those when you're watching a game and um, you know, think about the old days when root beer was you know, a, a soda pop that you would have and enjoy with your friends. Now you're enjoying them in a different way. I remember the days of mug root beer. Do you remember that brand, Michael? Absolutely do. Mug root beer, um, A&W root beer, and back in Pennsylvania where I grew up, we had a uh, Maz Cola and Maz root beer, which was uh, one of our local favorites. Interesting, and I remember I was taught to put a scoop of vanilla ice cream before we were warned away from ice cream as the health benefit issues. Uh, you could put a big scoop of vanilla in a tall glass of very cold mug root beer and make a root beer float. I think you probably remember those days, too, or you heard I about do. them, right? You do. I, I do okay. remember them, and I think about them, and every time I'm having a root beer, I'd like to put some ice cream in that, but uh, <laughs> my, my health, health uh, tells me not to do that, so I'm, I'm okay. to be a little bit uh, on better behavior. Well, next time I find a mug root beer, I'll put a scoop of vanilla in it for both of us, and I will drink it, and I'll toast to you. How's that? Okay? Sounds great. There have go. to. There you <laughs> You're happy to have me do it. Jill Feblowitz. <laughs> I, I didn't ask Michael, by the way. Where are you calling from, Michael? I want to do a little geography here. Where are you in? Where are you today? I'm in Jackson, Michigan. Oh, okay. Welcome to Jackson, Michigan. Welcome to the show. Jill Feblowitz, where are you calling from, and what are you drinking? I'm calling from Framingham, Massachusetts, which is right outside of Boston, mm-hmm. and I'm drinking from David's Tea Organic Pure Vanilla Roibus, and it has in it red roibus, vanilla beans, and I didn't realize this before, but marigold flowers <laughs> and flavoring. Um, my dad and I are big tea fans. In fact, I'm glad that I'm doing the books the last couple of years because my husband when he was doing the books was always complaining about how much we spent on tea <laughs> never heard a story like that this interesting by the way for those of you who want to know what the world Jill is talking about we have had other panelists on who talked about it. it's Roybo's team and it's R-O-O-I-B-O-S you can look it up there's a, an article about it on Wikipedia of course the leaves are used to make an herbal tea called Roybo's or bush tea especially in South Africa or sometimes red bush tea it's called in Great Britain did you know that Jill? I did not 
There you go. My good old friends at Wikipedia, thank you for that. There are health benefits. Not only there are many health benefits on inhumansexperiment.blogspot at the naturalnews.com. It's the amazing health benefits of rooibos tea. So, Michael, you might want to check this out. Every time you're dreaming about a root beer float with mug root beer, go have a drink of rooibos tea. But I digress. James McClellan, where are you calling from and what are you drinking, please? I'm the Canadian guy calling from Dallas, Texas these days. Okay. And I am sipping on my tea, although it's not as fancy as what Jill has. I've just got my Lipton tea, but I'll probably be replacing it later on in the day with a glass of wine as it's 21 years ago to the day that I met my wife. Oh, happy anniversary, or happy anniversary of your meeting, if it wasn't the day that you, well, you didn't marry her the first day. Uh, Tell me something, James. Are you transplanted from Canada to Texas now? I am. And how's that going for you? Oh, it's nice. We've been here uh, 15 years now, so we are transplanted via Australia. So it seems to be that I've lived where I never figured this out until later, where uh, energy deregulation seemed to breed. Interesting. Okay, thank you to the three of you. James may remember this, but Jill and Michael won't. They don't let Bonnie have caffeinated beverages on live radio show days. And this is a double header. I already did a show at 10 and now it's noon, so I can't have any coffee till later, but I digress. To our listeners, we are talking, if you haven't guessed by now, we're talking about digital transformation for utilities. And the subtopic we're going to be getting into after the break when we come back with our live and lively roundtable is going to be customer service innovations. How can this keep utilities on the map, literally and figuratively, on the grid, I should say? We have three very extraordinarily talented and smart panelists. We have Michael Shanko at CMS Energy. We have got Jill Feblowitz at IDC Energy Insights. And rounding out the panel, our friend James McClellan at SAP Utilities and Energy Industry Marketing. All specialists all have a lot to share. So Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. Michael at the radio station, because we have a Michael on the panel, out! The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. SAP, co-innovating alongside customers, is taking its industry-specific solutions into the cloud. Join us to learn how to make the world run simpler in the cloud without missing a beat. It's a tall order. Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers brings together the people who are making it happen. We'll delve into very specific industry challenges and also solutions that run across disparate industries, all to help you succeed in your mission. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show using Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers. 
Welcome back. Our topic of the day is a very important one. Whether you're in the utilities industry or some related industry, whether you're a partner, a supplier, or whether you're just a consumer, who doesn't need some kind of energy? Our topic is digital transformation for utilities, customer service innovations. And our panelists are Michael Shanko, Jill Feblowitz, and James McClellan. And we have Angie Schweck from SAP tweeting at A-S-C-H-W-E-C-K-E. Angie, I have a shout out for you. Thank you for tweeting and also we're not not anymore using BizBreak Radio. We're officially handle at SAP Radio. That's breaking news. So there. Now, Michael Shanko at CMS Energy has agreed to start the roundtable with me. Michael, I'm looking at your notes and here's something that is perfectly on the topic where we'd like to go today. You say delivering an exceptional customer experience every time to five generations, referencing, of course, utilities. Let me just read a little more. You say, baby boomers and above are looking for a personalized approach. They want calls or face-to-face meetings, and they say to their utility, show me that you care. And then you move on to Gen X and Gen Y, and millennials want it personalized about them. They want it when and how they want it and where they want it. So how can utilities work on their customer experience if they have so many generations demanding it their own way. Michael, let's get started. Absolutely. So one of the things that we face on a regular basis, um, day in and day out, is our customers are always expecting for one thing. Really, they want their service to be there when they need it. They want to be able to flip a switch and their power comes on or turn on their furnace and their heater works. So we focus a lot as a company on enhancing that customer experience by providing the right data to the right people at the right times. It's very difficult to do that, as you've already mentioned, with the various generations wanting some different type of data. They want more customized experiences. Some want websites. Some want social media. For Consumers Energy, we have focused a lot on enhancing our customer experience over the past few years, making that our priority, safe and excellent operations and customer experience, exceptional customer experience every time, every customer. With that, the entire mindset of the company or an organization changes. So when we talk about the the changing utility and can utilities survive, if a utility is still focused and remains focused still on their their assets and being an asset-based company and delivering power and only delivering power, probably you're right, probably going to face some of that spiral that we talk about. But if we are focusing on the customer, listening to the customer, paying attention to market trends and what's happening in the world, the evolution of technology, I believe that we will absolutely be able to meet the needs of all of our customers and be able to enable functionality and embrace the new technologies such as solar and charging and Tesla stations and things of that sort, um, we, we can and we will be successful if we listen to our customers. Michael, how do you know who your customers are? It's a house. It's, a, it's an electric feed. It's a meter. Do you have somebody go out and do a census? How do you know if millennials just bought the house or if they're living with their grandparents and which generation is going to be demanding what style of delivery? Just a quick question before we move to Jill and James. Thoughts on that? Yes, uh, absolutely. We we do a lot of uh, customer outreach. We spend time um, trying to hear from our customers, either through social media outlets or our call, or call, call centers. Um, we do various um, customer events. We're highly engaged in the community and making sure that we're listening and receiving feedback on a regular basis. It's one thing for a company to receive that feedback and not address it, 
but I'm mm-hmm. very proud to say that we have in, taken a very active approach in addressing and listening. Internally, I'll also mention that we spend a lot of time looking across the generations that we have within our own talent pool. We have a, a tremendous group of people that work at Consumers Energy, ranging from all of these different generations that I speak of, and we are marrying those millennials up with the baby boomers and the Gen Xers, and we're talking about these things. We're talking about, hey, what do you want the experience to look like when you're a customer? And think about what you experience from this, not only our utility but others, and what's the best of those worlds. So we put a lot of effort into it, and I believe that it's, it's going to be a pattern for success for us. Thank you. Good first-person case study. Jill Feblowitz at IDC, what are you seeing in terms of the different generations and their demands on the utility delivery of power, of energy, of every kind of utility? Well, I would agree with Michael. We're really looking at a lot of different um, populations based on age, also based on um, the type of home they live in, the climate that they're in. And I think uh, you're on the, the right track, Michael, at Consumers Power to really be going on identifying, you know, what your customers' needs are in, in really promoting the right products within the utility to those customers. I also believe that um, customers, not only do they want the right content coming to them, but they want it in the channel that they, that they prefer. So, for example, you might want to know about an outage at your house while you're at work via text message. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, not everybody will want to get the same messages from the same channel. They'll want different channels. And we call that omni-channel experience, much as what uh, retailers do. And that transformation helps a company continually attract and grow loyalty with their customers, with their partners and employees by creating new interactive experiences. Thank you. James McClelland, what do you think? Well, I think we're all in agreement on this. Uh, the, uh, the one thing that I do see is uh, when I speak with utility executives, I keep asking them what their social media strategy is, and they say that they have one in place. Um, and I ask what it is, and they said, oh, well, we can email out to our customers or we can tweet. Uh, the funny thing is then I go and talk to my son or my daughter who are of this new generation coming up, and I'm asking, uh, how's your energy person touching you, or how are they reaching you? Mm-hmm. Uh, if they're sending her uh, mail through the, the regular mail, I don't know if she really knows where her mailbox is. Uh, if they're trying to call her on her mobile, she doesn't even answer the phone for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they're talking to her maybe through Facebook, she might see it. Uh, if you're talking to my son, he no longer even takes time on Facebook. So the challenge really for utilities is how they're going to market to the new customer, the new generation, uh, when there's so many social media channels out there and to find out uh, where the people are being active. Uh, With Michael's point on the whole customer experience, I I think it's fantastic what Consumers is doing by being able to marry these, uh, the new generation together with some of the older generation to be able to get the most out of new technology. Uh, But I do think it's going to be the consumer that's going to be uh, driving what the new customer experience is rather than the utility just rolling it out. I think a lot of it's going to be driven by the customer base. Very interesting. And to your point, James, and I'd, I'd like to have you start this and, and go around the table, 
different generations have different things that matter to them and and the younger generations seem to be more involved and more passionate about saving the environment and about doing things in an eco-friendly way does this flavor that customer experience as jill said the omni channel experience does a utility have to say well we already know that the person who owns that house is a millennial or a gen xer and we know that this matters to them so let's target our messaging if we can find them james if we can get them to answer an email open a facebook message do something if we can even find them we have to target it specifically to their their goals their values what do you think about that james yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right, Bonnie. Uh, I see an awful lot of the uh, the billing or the contracting with the consumers taking the way of uh, what we saw in telecommunications when the mobile phone first came in. Uh, first, you were getting minutes to speak with. Mm-hmm. Uh, then when texting started, uh, you start to see text messages being put onto a contract. Well, if my son texts all the time, but he doesn't speak uh, on the phone using voice minutes, set up a customized contract for him that he loads everything up on Texas rather than uh, rather than voice minutes. Give me rollover mm-hmm. on my text time or my data plans. So it became a very customized type plan. And as we see the rollout with smart meters and smart grids, when I use my power, how I use my power, uh, when I reduce my consumption, if I'm reducing my, my carbon emissions, Give me a customized type contract, and I think that you're seeing the utilities starting to make that move as they're collecting this whole big data and being able to analyze it in real time. Thank you. Uh, Let's get Michael Shanko in on this. What do you think about customizing the messaging as well as the delivery for the values of the customer, the, the value system of the customer? Well, I absolutely agree that we've got to be focusing on uh, a customized experience each for each customer. Uh, it's not something where we can expect every customer to receive a bill and everybody digest it the same way. So using the technologies, once again, that we are employing um, and will employ in the future, things around big data. Everything is connected. The Internet of Things, smart meters, smart thermostats, smart appliances, smart cars. Mm-hmm. You think about all of that data that is there, and it's available for us and for our for consumers to be able to demand that cust- that customized experience, they can get the information out of any of their appliances. They should be able to get it as well from the utility provider. And if we can harness that by collecting, uh, you know, the data, the usage data, consumption data, and providing that back to the customer, then we can help them to shape their experience. Um, we we become more educated as a business by leveraging the big data and the analytics capabilities that are being built into many of the new platforms that are being employed. And you're, you're absolutely right about you know, the, the environmental concerns. It's not mm-hmm. something you only have to look at from a customer perspective. It's, it's from a recruiting perspective. It's about employee retention. The ah, employees want to also demand um, or come out of college and work for a company that has the same core values that they're expressing. So it's important for you to be able to attract talent as well to be able to offer these capabilities. It's just as important as it is to be able to provide them to your customer base. What a you know, great it's, point it's funny you brought that up. You raise that, yeah, Michael. Ahead, uh, mm-hmm. uh, I've always tried to figure out what would incent somebody to change behavior. And usually I like to go back to my children to say, you know, what would, what would make you change behavior? And as utilities, we're always talking about how are we going to get someone to lower their consumption or, or start mm-hmm. maybe doing the dishwashing in the, uh, in the off peak hours? 
And, you know, we took a look at it and said, was it monetary value? And when you start shaving off maybe a tenth of a cent a kilowatt hour and it translates to $2 saving or $4 saving for the month, uh, maybe not as big a motivation for me to change my behavior. So when I asked my children, what, uh, what would make you change behavior? It came right down to that, uh, uh, it, uh, and I was actually quite surprised. It was about the, 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 the environmental changes, that I was mm-hmm. doing the right thing for the environment, and also gamification. You know, being able to make a game out of it, uh, can I beat my score from last month? So, you know, very interesting what you're bringing up uh, on what I thought would have motivated someone to change behavior versus what the next generation is. Fascinating. Jill, come and join us on this part of the conversation. Thoughts about the, the value, core values profiles of the different customers of utilities. What do you see from the IDC perspective? Yeah, we, we also see that... Um, gamification as being a real tool to engage customers. Um, there are many different examples of that that really involve, you know, co- competition with your neighbors, um, Farmville-type applications, other types of things that, that help engage them. And, you know, what's really interesting, and, and I, I think I'll provide an example with, with mm-hmm. what I think is a really good um uh, application of technology to engage customers, and it deals with all the things that we've been talking about. So there's a California utility that has a lot of wind generation, and they don't really get to, to use the, the wind generation that much um, because it's mainly during the day. Um, they have a lot of people who um, work, and they also have a lot of people who own electric vehicles. Um, they're, those people are charging their electric vehicles at night, not during the day. They want to be able to incentivize them to charge electric vehicles during the day. So they've made a proposal to the utility commission that they would install um, vehicle charging uh, systems throughout the service territory. And the neat part that has people engaged is that they've developed a mobile app and they've tested it out on their employees so that if you have electric vehicle, one of the things about electric vehicles, it has this range anxiety. You never know where you're going to run out of electricity or gas, um, you know, so to speak. Um, and, and you don't know where the hmm. next refueling station is. So this app allows you to plan a trip, a long trip, and understand where the fueling stations are along the way, and it even is GPS-enabled so that you can look at your mobile app and say, here's the next charging station. And so I think that has a great combination of environmentalism and engaging the customer with a mobile app that can get them to where they need to be. And this is all related to new technology. It's all related to, to big data, to mobility, um, to uh, cloud, because some of this is done in the cloud. Um, that's kind of, I thought I would share that because I found it a really impressive example. 
It is an impressive example. And Jill, I just Googled gamification in utilities, and I found an article here by idc-community.com that says, this is dated July 25th, last year, 2014. Utilities will spend $65 million on gamified applications, and I'm clicking on it, in 2016 to engage customers. That's the IDC community website. Interesting. Yes, but it has to be done right. Thank you for that. Anybody want to wrap up on this uh, the core values because I want to go into a co- topic of renewables. I want to start with some of Jill's talking points. So, Michael and James, are you good on this? I'm good. Thank you. Yep. Okay. Okay, good. Jill, I'm looking at your notes here. Such interesting information you sent me. Let, let me just read a couple of stats here, and you can run with us, and we'll have James and Michael chime in. You say, according to the International Energy Agency, WEO, and I quote you, Europe will see over 70% of capacity additions made up of renewables led by wind and solar. And then you added renewable technologies, including hydropower, will make up almost 46% of generation in 2040, which is only 25 years away. Jill, you want to comment on some of this or give us some more background on this renewables, which are part of the core values, I believe, of many generations now? Yes, um, and, and the, you know, the reasons are many for the installation of renewables. Different governments have mandates for utilities to have a certain percentage of renewables. And as we talked about before, um, a lot of customers are putting uh, solar power uh, on their roof um, in, in a move towards more renewables. And, and we see this happening in a continuing way. So it's not going to be that the renewables on the rooftop are going to kind of completely overtake um, central, what we call central station generation, which is your big coal power plant or your big fossil power plant. Coal is really being, um, you know, overtaken right now, or your big gas plant or even your nuclear plant. Um, it's not going to overtake that um, in a distributed way at the consumer's house. And even it's not even going to overtake it, I think, um, when you're looking big generation like um, wind farms and, and solar farms. But it'll still be significant. And it's, it's proven to be a challenge for utilities that have their own uh, generation, that's renewable generation, because now they have to um, understand when they're going to put that generation out into the market, um, what makes sense for them, what time of day, what the market price is for that generation. And so they're going to be more and more challenged um, at the same time that consumers have rooftop solar, they're selling that back into the grid, and so they're getting another source of power from their customers. Um, so I think to orchestrate all that, utilities are really going to need to understand big data and they're also going to need to deploy more smart devices on the grid so that they can detect what's happening earlier and make the right decisions. Thank you. James McClellan, thoughts on this? What do you observe? Yeah, much the same as what Jill is stating, uh, but we are seeing that uh, with the move to uh, self-generation, that the demand requirements are really starting to decrease, especially when we take a look at some areas in Europe, uh, whether it be up in the Nordics or actually even in Germany, where the grid right now 
uh, is only being used at uh, approximately one-third of its capacity now. So you're starting to see some of the utilities that are, are just getting out of the power generation business uh, because they're seeing such a decrease in those requirements. Uh, I do believe that you will see an increase over the years again, uh, as we started off with the quote um, about the increase in power and connected devices. Uh, but utilities are also having to change their whole business models uh, uh, on how to be able to maintain their margins. And you're seeing them getting into completely different businesses, lines of businesses, to make their money. Uh, an example, uh, there's a gas company that I know of that says, uh, if you're moving and you're moving still within our same service territory, give us a call and let us know who your electric provider is, your water provider, and we'll do the turn-on and the turn-offs for you. And, oh, by the way, uh, since you're moving, we can recommend a moving company for you, mm-hmm. and we can change your cable or your television or your Internet. And, oh, by the way, if you maybe bundle your services together, we can provide you a special practice on that. So they have now become an aggregator of services, hmm. uh, or it could be selling uh, solar panels or any energy-efficient device so now with a digital connected network, uh, they may be linked up with the Home Depots or whomever to be able to sell uh, additional products to their customer base. So these are all new business models that utilities are starting to get into, uh, which I think some are quite unique, uh, all because of the, the advent of uh, moving towards renewable energy and cutting mm-hmm. away at their profit margins. Thank you, James. Good examples. Michael Shanko, join us. Thoughts? Actually, all fantastic points. I think mm-hmm. um, both both of my uh, my peers here on the call have a very good understanding of what's happening and are seeing a lot of the same things that we're seeing. So, what I would say is, you know, if you look at how a utility company today operates from a power generation perspective, you typically have your infrastructure that produces electricity. You also have infrastructure that allows you to buy electricity from other markets when you have max capacity or or you have exceeded your load potential on hot summer days or cold winters. Now, instead of us just buying from those markets, the opportunities that exist outside of the, the your business and utilitarian space are, can we buy power or will we buy power, should we buy power from some of the community solar projects? How do we better leverage our wind farms? So you're bringing in the aspects of of leveraging these individuals and these these communities that are um, using the more innovative technologies to support us and be able to provide still a value to our customers and meet our business needs. I'd like to add to that that mm-hmm. you, know, you know, some of the, the new opportunities and potential um, as you're talking, think about when we have an, you know, an environment where we're controlling electricity or life and life safety equipment for a home, somebody who maybe has an oxygen tank or something of that nature, what we maybe lose sight of if, if we have community solar is can we provide, can a consumer provide or a community provide the same level of safety, secure cybersecurity, management and support for that infrastructure that we would be able to provide um, as a business, as a utility who's been doing this for a long time. So I think we need to look at those partnerships as well. We need to look at those opportunities where we can help to provide um, help and service for all of these new technologies and and new energy um, supplies that are cropping up throughout our, our states or our service territories. And I do agree with the convergence of utilities. 
I mean, you see this happening all over the place. Um, you see our, our smart meters are now uh, modems. So, you know, can that meter get more data from other utilities, whether it's water or gas or, or tie it to the security system or either, even provide new functionality in the home that we're not providing today or someone is not providing today. So there's, there's plenty of opportunities. Like I said, it's a very exciting time to be working with this type of technology and capability in the utility space. It's really just a matter of how you, how you adapt it, to it and manage it. Interesting. Thank you all. I, I want to move to just we're almost ready for our prediction segment, but I want to bring up a couple points from James McClellan's notes. Uh, James, this is maybe a little alarming. You say in a recent survey, fewer than 3% of college students who were nearing graduation stated that they had an interest in working for a utility. I think we spoke earlier in the conversation about when I was mentioning consumers' core values about renewables, protecting the environment, everything should be eco-friendly. And I think it was Michael Shanko who brought up that this applies to bringing in workforce, younger workforce to replace the workers who are aging out and leaving the utilities industry workforce. So, James, any thoughts on that? This sounds horrible, fewer than 3% of college students, or is that enough to populate the emptying ranks of workforce in utilities? What do you see? You know, Bonnie, I was just getting ready to bring that part up, and I wanted to circle back with Michael, so I don't know if it's great minds think alike or fools seldom differ on this. <laughs> I'm going to go with great minds. Thank you, sir. Go ahead. But, uh, one too. Uh, yeah, there was a recent survey, uh, and it's, it's a very disparaging stat at this point. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, I thought the number was even higher than I had expected. Uh, but when we start to see, you know, the aging workforce, there's a lot of very good knowledge that's uh, leaving the utility over the next decade. And to be able to attract and change new talent, uh, when you start asking the next generation that's coming up, they don't see the utility as really being something that works for their skill sets. They still think of it as green screens. Uh, they don't think that they can use their mobile devices uh, or that the utility is, is basically prehistoric to where that generation is. Um, now, what you hear from Michael and what they're doing at Consumers, I think, is a great opportunity, and this is where I'd like Michael possibly to expand on where CMS is being successful in attracting uh, this generation. But this leads to even more importance on digital transformation to be able to attract this type of talent that's up and coming. Michael? Love to speak about it. So we, we have had you know, fairly recent success in um, bringing on some, some very talented uh, millennials. We have done a lot, of jo- a lot of work around marketing the potential of what we are doing. And you're right. If people think about utilities, they're thinking about, well, you know, they're not really that progressive. I want to go work for Google, especially if it's somebody in the technology space, which is where I, I work, right? Um, can I work at a Google or can I work at a utility company? So mm-hmm. if we are successful at marketing what we have, and in different forums, whether it's college recruiting, it's, it's online, it's our websites, getting more involved again in the communities and community outreach programs where people um, and, and students are there and being very involved in colleges, specifically in our space in, in the state of Michigan, but also reaching out to those that are within the same um, geographical area, maybe Indiana, Ohio, and, and, and showcasing what consumers energy is doing from a technology perspective. If you really think about what we're accomplishing and attempting to accomplish with move to the custom, customs 
customized customer experience, customized customer experience, that's a mouthful, then you really have to think about things like uh, advanced data analytics and data science. And, uh, you know, many people are going to school for these type of things today. We've got to be able to showcase how that can be relevant. We've got to showcase how the network capability and the Internet of Things and the grid, how we're bringing all of this together to provide, um, you know, tremendous forward-looking value to the, the environment, to our customers, and to all of those that work at Consumers Energy. And, Michael, you just gave me the perfect segue into the crystal ball predictions round when you use the word forward thinking. So I'm going to ask you to do just that. Put on your thinking cap. Look into the crystal ball. How I, I bet it's solar-powered. I really do. So look into the future, Michael Shanko, and take a look. I love the year 2020. It just has that ring to it, you know. I think somebody used to say that on TV a lot in past years. What do you see? I'm going to give you exactly one minute for your predictions. What will change about this conversation? conversation if we met again at that future point you tell me Michael and our topic again is digital transformation for utility so what's going to change at what point in the future Michael Shanko one minute go I'm going to stop talking about the solar panels and such for a moment because that's going to happen. It's inevitable. I'm going to focus on our continued uh, value and safety customer experience and talk about advanced automation, advanced robotics, use of droids for more commoditized and dangerous tasks to help our focus on safety, continue to focus on alternative energy solutions that force utilities to think outside of the traditional assets and provide a great customer experience that is friendly to our environment. Mm, well said. Jill Feblowitz at IDC. What do you see, Jill? How far in the future are you going to predict? Um, probably to 2020. Um, okay. And I see the utilities really making internal transformation, and so they'll be on the road to new business models, some of the forward-looking ones, um, and transforming their business. Um, but the transformation, because of the rapid development of technology, is just that pace is going to continue. Um, it's going to even go faster. So there will be a lot of, of utilities that are now organized uh, through a chief digital officer whose responsibility mm. is to make sure that, um, that all the business models and the digital aspects are coordinated. And that also means that person will be responsible for making sure that there uh, is security in all the the digital connections that a utility makes with their customers or with their control systems. So that's what I'm envisioning by 2020, kind of a reorganization of the utilities around business models, a continuous innovation to keep those things up, respond to the new technologies, and then as well, um, being able to really um, secure uh, the digital communications. Thank you very much, Jill. I have a note here in your talking points. We I don't think we covered this. Just a note here for the future. For 2025, California's goal is to put 1.5 million zero emissions vehicles on the roads by then, and that's less than 10 years from now. So that's interesting. I think uh, James... James, I think we have a part two topic here. You better talk to the powers that be on this series. I think we have a lot more to cover. James, I'm ready for your predictions. I can give you as well one minute. So, James, how far into the future do you see and what's going to change about the digital transformation of utilities? James McClellan. So I'll stay on the 2020. That seems to be a big magic number uh, for Mm -hmm. everybody. But uh, uh, I see the convergence of IT and OT, so 
uh, information technology and operational technology systems uh, blending together, which will change the entire landscape on how we perform business and maintenance and services. Uh, I see that there will be a whole new set of roles uh, that we currently don't have at the utility right now, as Michael was stating. Data scientists will be uh, a major role to be able to model and help with predictive analytics. Data security is going to be huge. And as far as the whole digital transformation, that digital journey, uh, if I go back to the opening statement of paranoia and looking over your shoulder, mm-hmm. uh, I see digital transformation happening uh, quite quickly, and it will move much faster than we expect. So it's going to be much like looking into that rearview mirror, that objects that you may see may be appearing uh, or may appear closer than expected. Okay, and I have a quick question for you, James, and a one-word answer if you can do it. Players entering the field of utilities, Google, Samsung, Tesla, is there one company that's on the cusp of entering as a new player? Anything you want to predict by 2020, or would you rather not? Quick answer, yes or no. No, I think you're going to have a whole bunch that don't even exist that will be. Ah, okay. If you thought the market was in flux now, wait till you see what happens in 2020. Hang on to your investment, kids. Very interesting. James, we have to do part two. There's just too much good stuff here we didn't get to cover. Thank you so much to Michael Shanko with CMS Energy. Michael, thanks for your insights and sharing your, your firsthand experience. Jill Feblowitz at IDC, wonderful to have you on board, Jill. Thank you for your contributions and your thoughtfulness and James McClellan at SAP always happy to connect with you thank you to Michael and the business channel team and everybody behind this series we have uh, who we got we've got Angie Schwecky uh, tweeting here at hashtag SAP radio Matt Small is the official sponsor of this series I'm Bonnie D. Graham it's been very wonderful speaking with all of you hope you learned something here's my call to action fasten your seatbelt what are you waiting for like my panelists go out and be a game changer today talk Talk to you tomorrow on Coffee Break with Game Changers, 11 a.m. Eastern. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.